Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 91, presented by OptumX Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphys. We bring you all the latest news from around the ACHA and the CHA. Very busy time of year, conference tournaments, regional tournaments. It all comes down to the national championships coming up for AAU College Hockey and the American Collegiate Hockey Association. Huge week across the board. Lots of tournaments going on as we prep for the national championships in the ACHA and for AAU College Hockey. They'll be holding their first national championship in Westchester. The ACHA will take things to Marlborough, Massachusetts. If you're just joining us, we have a huge guest this week, so I wouldn't be surprised if we have a bunch of new listeners. We'll recap everything that's going on in the club hockey world. Uh, we'll turn things over first to Collins. Collins joining us. Been out the last couple weeks, but huge week for Villanova hockey on both the men's side and the women's side. Yeah, probably the first time in history. The women's team is the number one team at the end of the year in the Southeast. And over on the men's side, a lot has happened in the past couple weeks. We're heading into the playoffs this weekend down at the... Uh, the Naval Academy sitting at the two seed, which is uh, pretty huge. I think the highest we've been ranked since 2015. But yeah, it's a wild story of how we got it. So basically two weeks ago, we our final two games uh, of the regular season in conference were against William Patterson, and we needed to um, basically win both games uh, in order to have the, the two seed. But we ended up losing the first game by two goals. In the second game, we had to win by three goals in order to clinch the two seed and get that first round by. Uh, but we ended up only winning by two goals. So it came down to a coin flip, which is the, the fifth tiebreaker. Pretty weird. Uh, but it was the first time that happen in uh, ECHA history though so tiebreakers went like this regulation wins head-to-head then goal differential between the two teams goal differential from all league and then a coin flip so it's been wild but we're looking uh to do some damage this weekend and uh cause some chaos yeah pumped to see you guys competing this weekend we'll get to that in a little bit but i think it's interesting how some conferences decide you know when to do their tournaments but i think especially for you guys now that you know the nationals are picked and navy's going to represent your conference i think it's a a good time for the boys to kind of leave it all out there for one last weekend so we're certainly excited for that turn things over to david herman our executive producer herm how are things in you this week things are kind of quieter than usual just because we've had a little bit of a stretch of the comments being on the road no shortage of excitement with UCFC though uh, they're on a four game heater right now and they braved the snow on the way down to Mexico today I stood outside for 20 minutes in the parking lot taking photos of guys while it was 15 degrees out they're going to be in the sun I am very jealous of them the comments are playing I think in five minutes, my boss is taking care of social tonight. So shout out to Michael Lear for that. Really appreciate it. Otherwise, everything is is wonderful around here. I had a fantastic weekend in Syracuse. Got the opportunity to watch a bunch of these games. Tried to tune into as many as we could. Herm and I, I think we were watching the same games at one point on Saturday night um, in some electric action. We have kind of decided we're going to, this is going to be more of a recap episode. We'll recap the last kind of two weeks around uh, the ACHA and the CHF. And then next week's episode is going to be all national tournament previews. We'll go over all the brackets, the pool plays, what to expect in Westchester and Marlboro for those respective tournaments. But I want to let you know this will be more recap. We'll give the previews, our predictions, everything like that will be next week. So we hope you tune into that one. Wanted to mention a couple of schools that have multiple teams going to national tournaments. No surprise at the top of the list here. We have Liberty, their men's division one, men's division two, women's division one, women's division two, and their CHF national team. For those keeping track at home, that is every team under the roof at Liberty is going going to the national tournaments. So I'm sure the Flames are very proud of that. Coming in next, we have Adrian, who's sending their men's division one team and women's division one team.
team along with our women's division two teams. Niagara's got a couple of teams going to men's one, their CHF national, their CHF American and their women's ACHA team heading to nationals as well. Tampa, they have their CHF national and CHF American teams going. Their CHF national team has still not lost a game yet. We watched them this weekend in the college hockey South tournament. Uh, they look red hot. Farmingdale State is sending their CHF National and American teams as well. Minot State is sending both of their Division One teams. Same with Maryville. Lawrence Tech is sending both of their men's teams, men's one and men's three. Grand Valley State is doing the same thing. And then Navy has men's one and women's Division Two ACHA teams going. And then Buffalo men's division one and chf national so a bunch of hockey schools on the list always good to see schools having teams to the national tournaments so a couple teams we wanted to highlight in the end of season rankings want to start off with the acha men's one rankings they released their final rankings today recording on wednesday nothing too drastic in there 20 teams make the national tournament but there are a handful of auto bids that kind of throw a wrinkle into things we did want to give a shout out to purdue northwest they finished at number 21 after their first season in men's division one action the pride finished the season with a record of 27 and one pretty remarkable for a program that was kind of the middle of the pack in division two last year herm i know we kept our eye on these guys from the start i don't know if this is the team we predicted to have the most success at the division one level certainly an exciting year for the pride they were really cool in our dms they sent us a a nice message today thanking us for all of the coverage throughout the season so we're really rooting for uh pnw to go on to do some great things in their tenure in men's one another first year program at the division one level worth noting in the final rankings was on the women's side of things 10 teams make the national tournament on the women's side because of the auto bids being awarded to teams in the top 10 no team outside the top 10 qualify for nationals the team sitting at number 11 was actually the university of jamestown it was their first year having a women's program they competed in division one they were the last team eliminated from the tournament we wanted to give a shout out to the jimmies terrific first year in women's ACHA Division One. Moving on to the ACHA Men's Division Two Regionals. I think this was some of the most exciting hockey. I want to start in the Northeast. UNH and Bentley will both advance. Both of those teams were in the national tournament last year representing the Northeast. They battle their way through the tournament. Really exciting action in the early days of this one. The championship games were kind of won handily by the respective teams. It was also very cool to see a preview of what we can expect on rink one in Marlboro. Of course, they still have the Providence Bruins logo at center ice the providence bruins and the new england sports center owned by the the same person and the providence bruins played there during covid nice touch they have the acha logos outside the blue line uh which is really cool want to give a shout out to jimmy clark he is the central connecticut state acha broadcaster he was electric on the call all weekend long we gave him some shout outs on social media and he gave us a shout out on the broadcast which was really cool to watch in real time uh we had the stream going on the projector at the hockey house and the guys loved it hearing that they were giving the hockey house pod a shout out that brought a smile to my face and you would have thought he had been watching these teams all year the amount of information he knew and the names he knew and I think especially this time of year when you got a lot of family watching those streams at, at home I think he provided great entertainment so want to make sure we gave him some love BC knocked off Bridgewater State in overtime on Friday night that was an exciting one to watch some are calling it the game of the weekend Herman and I tuned into this one but UVM upset Keene State on Saturday night in an instant classic Keene State killed off two 
separate five on threes in the final 10 minutes to send the game to overtime. They killed off a couple of penalties in overtime as well. Ultimately, it was UVM playing spoiler and giving the Catamounts a chance to play for Nationals on Sunday. Uh, They ran into a really hot UNH team, though. In the Southeast region, Indiana and Kentucky are advancing. This was another exciting region to watch. Friday night, the Tar Heels got revenge on NC State. Big matchup between those two schools Monday night for Frozen Finley. A lot of the tension given to the Ice Pack for all their success. It was the Tar Heels who turned around and defeated the Ice Pack for the fourth time of six matchups this year, winning the season series four to two and sending NC State home packing. The following day, UNC played spoiler and defeated Miami of Ohio in overtime to give themselves a chance to play for the national tournament. They lost to Kentucky, though. It's the first time Kentucky is going to the national tournament since 2007, which I found astonishing considering you know the amount of hype Kentucky gets for their program. I could not believe that they haven't made it past the regional tournament since 2007. Um, And then the Indiana Hoosiers going back to the national tournament uh, for the second consecutive year in a row. In the central, Iowa and Wisconsin Concordia are advancing. Wisconsin Concordia defeated Minnesota to book their trip to Boston. Iowa keeps rolling. They've been red hot recently. They beat Adrian in overtime Friday night before upsetting DePaul on Saturday. Uh, Worth noting, there was a bit of a scuffle in this one. Uh, I checked it out on the Hockey TV broadcast between Michigan State and Sioux College. At the buzzer, there was a late hit The Michigan State team comes out onto the ice to celebrate, but there's still a scuffle going on. Uh, The refs had this one really under control. I thought they did a really good job. Nothing newsworthy in the scrum, but a little chaotic after a a game when tensions are high and you got both teams on the ice in a scrum, but they were able to handle it well. And I didn't really keep track the next day, but I don't think there were too many DQs. In the West, we kind of had the same issue. I would title this one as a bench-clearing brawl between Northern Colorado and Weber State. Northern Colorado playing spoiler on the Wildcats and a late hit borderline from behind at the buzzer behind the net. And same thing, Northern Colorado came off the bench to celebrate. Guffle broke out. Then you got both teams on the ice. Not a really good scene, but ultimately at the end of the day, it was Utah State and Dakota College moving on. Dakota College returning. Uh, they made it to the semifinals last year in Division Two action. And then Utah State, a team that I feel like we give a lot of attention to because of the crowds they draw in Utah. They're getting a chance to go to Boston. For the national tournaments on the men's division one side, there was still plenty of action with the conference tournaments. We want to start things off with college hockey, mid America. IUP was the host team for this one. They took home the title in front of the home crowd, defeating Robert Morris six to two in convincing fashion, but it wasn't without a little sweat. They defeated Duquesne in overtime to advance to the title game. Jace Rierick with the OT winner. There was lots of overtime in this tournament on Friday night. Robert Morris beat Kent state in overtime. Thanks to a goal from Roman Kramer, friend of the show. And then Duquesne, and West Virginia needed extra time as well, but Duquesne got away with the win on that one. In the WAC, the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference, plenty of exciting action in this one. This was hosted by Indiana Tech, but it was UM Dearborn taking home the title. Dearborn ended the Cinderella run for Concordia, who was sitting at number 22 heading into the weekend and really needed that conference victory to get themselves into the national tournament. They beat number seven, Indiana Tech, for the first time in program history knocking off the number one seed in the tournament and the hometown team. So I want to give a shout out to the Cardinals. Hunter Keppel had an overtime winner on Friday night against Aquinas to keep them alive. Um, heading over to the Great Lakes Collegiate Hockey Conference, no surprise here. Adrian, I think it. they said it was the eighth time in 13 years that they've won the conference playoff tournament. They defeated Calvin in the finals here, uh, a matchup that we could see down the road in the national tournament. And then in the Northeast Collegiate Hockey League, I'm going to eat my words on this one. I said going into the week that it was either going to be RIT or Oswego, that there was no shot. A team like Buffalo, Canisius, TCNJ could, you know, make any create any noise. 
I'll eat it on that one. It is the University at Buffalo Bulls heading to the national championships. They upset Oswego by a score of 8-4 to four on Saturday night. Canisius took care of the number one seed RIT on Saturday. And then we got an all-Buffalo matchup at TCNJ's rink for the national title. And uh, it did not disappoint. The It was tied heading into the third period, and the Bulls pulled away. D-zone draw with 1.7 seconds left, and the Bulls won it to clinch the title. And all around an exciting weekend. Really excited for this team. I know talking to some of the guys in Buffalo, you know, played them a couple times this year. They have gone through a lot in the last year, and I think it's a huge step for their program to kind of get back to the national tournament. It'll be the fifth appearance for the Bulls, so want to make sure we gave them the shout-out that they deserved. Murph, since you're on a real heater with Buffalo predictions, uh, you want to tell us how they're going to do in their opening round round? matchup we'll get to that in a bit i so originally i'm like oh man that you know that stinks for a team like buffalo like you work that hard to get to nationals and you got to fundraise a lot of money and they're going to run into number one minot state and then i remembered that those first you know whatever 12 teams get a first round by buffalo's got a good goalie they got a first line that can score in a really good power play so uh, i wouldn't count them out in the first round matchup and especially like i said they've been through a lot in this last year and i think they're gonna be super pumped to be there herm one conference we're forgetting about you know has has historically had a a very good conference tournament um, but because of the absences of Iowa State and Lindenwood this year no conference tournament for the CSCHL correct that is correct I was looking forward to seeing what happened this weekend because there's only three teams remaining in the CSCHL with Lindenwood going NCAA D1 and Iowa State getting unfortunate that the other teams in the CSEHL didn't want to travel to Ohio for a three-team playoff. I don't know if the title is automatically awarded to Ohio or what. All I saw was that CSEHL playoffs are canceled, which was disappointing. I'm kind of bummed they didn't they didn't take us up on our uh, on our offer like earlier in the hungry, year. Hungry said, hippos. Like, Hungry, hungry hippos. Yeah, I think that would have that would have sold well. I think a lot of people would have loved that. Throw it at midnight, allow alcohol sales for one evening at Bird, and just hungry, hungry hippos it. You would have made record profits. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the original idea was to have it at the Big Pond because you could fit three teams on the ice with the size of the ice sheet in Champaign. Illinois played this past weekend, and I think they... You know, safe to say they've had a tough year for that program, a step backwards considering the the national power that they've been over the years. They had senior night against Illinois State's D2 team. Um, They beat them 8 0 on Friday night. And then in front of a packed house on Saturday for senior night, they scored with under a second remaining to win 4 3. And like I said, not the year that they wanted to have by any means, but it was really cool to see that rank packed again. Definitely a cool moment all around for the Illini to end the season on a high note. Would have loved to see the CSCHL maybe do like a best two out of three series with uh, Ohio and Maryville, or I don't, I don't know how you could have done that, but that would have been cool to see some playoff series for the CSCHL title. But moving along to ACHA Women's Division One Conference Tournaments in the CCWHA, Adrian took home the title. They stood along the top of the CCWHA after winning the regular season championship and now their fifth consecutive league playoff title. The Bulldogs defeated Indiana Tech 1-0 thanks to a third-period goal. In the WMCHL, Midland took home the title. This has kind of been Liberty's conference for many years now. First time in team history, the Warriors battled number one Liberty University to take home the conference title by a final score of 2-1 to finish the season with a record of 26-5-4. and four. I believe that is the third loss for the Flames this year, a team that has not lost a lot of games in recent memory. Something to keep track of come tournament time because they are the defending champs. And then a couple weekends ago, we forgot to mention it in the WWCHL, 
Arizona State takes home their first conference title. They defeated GCU by a score of 5-1 to one to clinch the program's first trip to the ACHA National Championship. So we'll be excited to see the Sun Devils there as well. Some conference tournaments in the CHF and College Hockey South. There was a scare to the Spartans in the semifinals. Herm, we were watching this one. Did they tie the game late? They did tie the game late. Spartans tie the game late against the Ice Dogs from UGA, and then they end up winning in overtime. They handled South Carolina in the College Hockey South Finals by a score of 6-1. to one. Goalie Shea Grant earned himself MVP honors. In the UNYCHL, it was Niagara handling Niagara County Community College. They handled the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves went on a Cinderella run, defeating Binghamton in overtime in the semifinals, but Niagara took care of business in the finals. And then in the Empire Conference, it was Ramapo taking on Fairfield and Ramapo winning in overtime. Pretty sweet Patrick Kane-style Selly that we've shared on the feed. Herm, we got some stick taps to give out. Who are we giving them to? We're giving them out to Mason Weiss of Hope College for his absolutely filthy between-the-legs goal. I think the reaction from his teammate as he kind of zoomed in on it to track him just like full hands on head really sold that clip Delaware CHF team had an insane overtime winner to take the DVCHC championship and then we saw Weber State and Utah State just absolutely lighted up with their insane student sections Um, I don't know if we gave them the shout out for it last week but they certainly deserve it with all of the energy that they bring to their games yeah and that was evident uh, on the live streams on hockey TV this weekend Uh, the crowds were awesome we wanted to announce that we recently upped with Optum X Sports. It was a no-brainer for us to continue a partnership with a brand that has been so tied to the Hockey House Pod and Club Hockey brand for a while now. Optum X Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own websites. Be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, use our referral link at optumxsports.com slash sign up slash Hockey House Pod. They have a lot of new features coming out that we're really excited about. So be sure to follow them on Instagram and Twitter at optumxsports.com for all the latest updates that they are making. And with that, it is time to turn it over to our interview, an interview that has been months in the making. We were finally able to nail this one down with Mike Grinnell from Spit and Chicklets. He's been pumping the tires of the ACHA for a couple of weeks now with all the things going on, and we couldn't be more excited to turn it over to this interview right now with Mike Grinnell. We're pleased to be joined by Acha Legend. You know him as the producer of the number one hockey podcast in the U.S., the man that does it all behind the scenes for Spit and Chicklets, the one, the only, Mike Grinnell. Grinelli, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's I can't say I'm an Acha legend. I can say I'm an Acha advocate. And I'm sure we'll get into all the club hockey, but I would say I'm a huge Acha advocate, not an Acha legend. All right. That's fine with us. Pumped to have you on. We'll kind of start with the recent stuff. You guys just got back from Raleigh. I can't even believe how many people going into the weekend were kind of trashing the stadium series being in Raleigh. They knocked it out of the park on all aspects. Walk us through what your weekend was like, you know, how much fun North Carolina was. North Carolina was a blast. It's a lot of drinking, a lot of good food. It's just a really cool environment that I think a lot of hockey fans don't really get to experience much. I, just like the the tailgating aspect. I think that's something that a lot of people don't get to experience because, you know, it's hockey season. It's cold up here in the north. And to be outside Carter Finley Stadium, we were in the RV lot with the Hurricanes alumni and the food was incredible. Like the barbecue was so good and everyone is so friendly down there. 
they just wanted to drink and have fun. I couldn't speak highly enough about it. To be able to see UNC and NC State be able to play on Monday was just the absolute coolest thing in the world. And it was funny because I was trying to explain it to my girlfriend. And I'm like explaining what club hockey is. The fact that those kids got to play on that rink in front of all those people is just I can't get over it. It's the coolest thing in the world. It was unreal from our perspective. We talked with Zach Herman. He had a hat trick in the game for NC State. And he was like in the locker room, you know, we were talking like maybe we'll get 10,000. 10,000 would be cool. And he was like, when we found out it was over 20,000, we were just blown away. I mean, though, even to like play in front of 10,000, it's like, that's so cool. It's just, it's so awesome to see club hockey growing. And I don't want to say a reminder, but it's just like, hey, the South needs to, and these big, you know, ACC, SEC schools, like they got to get on the train. They got to get on this college hockey train, boys. Yeah, no kidding. So kind of walk us through your early hockey career because you're from the Northeast. Uh, You played high school hockey in Massachusetts. Like you mentioned, you grew up in a totally different environment than maybe somebody who grew up playing hockey in the South. I mean, people in Massachusetts love their high school hockey. What was that like? It was really cool growing up in Massachusetts, especially in the town that I did. I grew up in Burlington, so we are like a hockey crazy town. That's really all the town cares about. Wednesdays, Saturday nights, it's like everyone's at the Ice Palace watching the game. I grew up playing, you know, triple-A hockey just like everyone else and then you know went to local high school played at Burlington High and then when it was time to go to college I um it's funny I call myself a hockey player who was playing lacrosse so I ended up going to school for lacrosse I went to Plymouth State I committed there and I, I say that with air quotes because it was it was D3 it was basically like sign up and come play you know did the captain's practices went through all that and practices started up and we started practicing and you know it was like day one or two I just remember looking at my my roommate and being like I, I don't like this anymore I just wish I was playing hockey like this this isn't fun for me anymore it's just like lacrosse was fun for me when I was playing with you know four five of my best friends who I grew up playing with in, in high school and when it was easy and we're just like dominating and having fun like that was the cross to me so I remember my roommate looked at me during sprints and was like hey I'll quit if you if you quit so we both decided to we both decided to quit and there's that funny story or I say funny but at the end of at the end of like second practice everyone was uh they were stretching at the end of their stretch you clap you count to 10 and then clap and I didn't clap I got number 69 and they were like 69 you didn't clap do a lap and I remember I had to do a solo lap in the rain by myself and the whole time I'm like I gotta find a way to play hockey I gotta find a way to play hockey I don't care what it is I gotta quit lacrosse and play hockey and at the time Plymouth State didn't have a club hockey team this was my freshman year so I didn't know what I was gonna do I mean I quit the division three lacrosse team figured I would just play beer league with my buddies and then there was a kid I gotta give him a shout out by the name of Ben Haskell he was a goalie you know he knew I was a big hockey player and he knew I loved hockey he he told me basically about the ACHA and club hockey and what it was and how he wanted to start a team at Plymouth god this this was 2012 so he started up a a Facebook group I remember and was like invite all the hockey players you know to this Facebook group so we both just started inviting like every kid we knew at the school to this Facebook group and we're like all right how do we 
get a club hockey team? Like, where do we start? What do we do? To this kid, Ben's credit, like, he basically started the program up himself. Plymouth State just had, like, a brand new rink built for the Division Three team. So we didn't get our own locker room, but they took care of us anytime we were there. But yeah, then we held tryouts, and I played on the team for two years. Those two years were our, I would say they're inaugural. I think that's what they're called when you're, like, basically, like, trying out to get into the ACHA. I know the year after I left, they were in the ACHA. It was a blast. Like we had the the women's team's jerseys. Uh, they gave us like Plymouth State, like the girls team, like they had just gotten new jerseys. So they gave us their old ones. And I, I made the best friends of my life playing with those guys. And it was so much fun. And that's why at the, at the beginning, you're like ACHA legend, Acha legend. I'm like, ah, I never got, I don't think I ever played in the ACHA. I played in our inaugural two seasons to get into the ACHA. Now I'm kind of just rambling. And yeah, that that's my, uh, that's my hockey career. They'll put you in as like the builder category for Plymouth State Acha hockey. Builder, builder. I'll take that. Real credit goes to Ben Haskell, the goalie who who set it all up. But it was cool to see like basically, you know, starting from scratch being like, and I remember like tweeting out like, is Plymouth State going to get a club hockey team? And oh, it's just, it's just so crazy to see that it, that it all ended up happening. And it's, it's crazy because, you know, like I said, I ended up making the best friends of my life on that team. Now, I grew up about an hour and a half from Plymouth. Lots of kids from my high school went to Plymouth State. Sounds like an absolute gong show of a time. Walk us through, like, I, I feel like maybe they've tamed it a little bit in the last couple of years. No. kind of similar. To, no, you think it's still as good? Like, almost gotten worse. I mean, look up, go look up pictures of, like, the uh, videos of, like, the pirate party. I was, I was going to ask you about pirate party. Oh, Pirate Party is one of the coolest things in the world. It, I believe it's Columbus Day weekend, and it's like that Monday where everyone just dresses up as pirates. It used to be over the river, but now it's, you know, someone just throws throws a big party. This year, they shut down all of Russell Street. It's unbelievable. You just dress up as a pirate and drink all day. But Plymouth State, absolute gong show. It's like not the best education. I always like to say it's like the stoner skateboarder kid that sat in the back of your high school class, those are usually the kids who went to Plymouth State. This pirate party sounds like the Northeast's version of Gasparilla, basically. Exactly, exactly. That's a great way to put it, Herm. That's a great way to put it. I know of one story you had from your time with the club hockey team at Plymouth State. This kind of like sparked, though. We, we got to get G on here, but I believe it was Romeo Terrain. He plays D3 hockey at Castleton. He does a lot of content, and he had a video, and I think you stitched it, and you were like, I recognize this rink. Tell us about the, the trip that you guys made to Castleton. Yeah, so that was... That was a fun one. That's like where the boys became like the boys. That was like the game where we all like became close and we all started becoming friends. We rented two white vans and just drove down to Castleton from Plymouth State. And one of the vans, I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know if they just decided on the way there they didn't want to go to the game. I don't know what happened, but one of the vans didn't make it. So when we got there, our coaches, so backstory quick, the coaches on the club team at Plymouth were grad assistants basically for the division three team they had played the previous season they had just graduated and now they were like assistants on the division three team and they were head coaching our team so they're good players right and they bring i'm sure they had their hockey stuff with them in their cars at all times and shit so we get to the rink and there's like eight or nine of us in the locker room 10 of us and our coach is like we're like fuck we don't have like enough guys and he's like well i got my equipment out in the car like fuck should i play and we're like dude absolutely it's club hockey no one's gonna give a shit they're not even 
even going to know. And he played. He was nasty. But we were in Castleton and it was it was a Friday night, I believe. So it was awesome. There were like fans and stuff. If you know the Castleton rank right above the benches is this like balcony. The whole time their fans are throwing stuff at us, pouring stuff on us, just chirping us. It's pissing us off. Midway through the game, our coach open ice hit on, on one of the guys on the other team bench clearing brawl and game ended and that was just kind of like such a when i saw uh roro's uh tiktok there i'm like that's the rink that's the rink i i remember it that was cool and, and there's so many memories like that with club hawk that's why it's the best because of stuff like that like not only did we get in a bench clearing brawl but it was our coach who, who started the fight that's club hockey in a nutshell i guess well, it's a miracle that that was like the inaugural season. And then the ACHA looked at that score sheet and said, ah, this team's good enough. We'll take them in a couple of years. I know. Seriously. It's I'm sure both teams at the end of that were like, you know what? Let's just pretend like this never happened. Like, we'll look the other way. You guys look the other way. We'll just say, you know, we forfeited mid game for reasons no one else needs to know. Oh, and I'm sure as much as that bus ride back from Castleton or the van ride from Castleton probably stunk, I'm sure the boys were so fired up once they got back to campus. No, that was so that's where, like, like I said before, like the boys became the boys. That's where we all started to bond and became close friends because we got I remember we got right back into the into the white van. We got out of there quickly. And it was one of those things like we we're like, fuck, like we have to get out of here quickly because these kids could go call all their buddies up at a house party up the street come down and just kick the shit out of us so we're like we gotta get out of there and we got out of there we drove right to a gas station like right near the arena and we just loaded up on booze just so much booze and we just sat in the back of this van all of us just playing drinking games and basically you know becoming a team and becoming friends so I got to ask, what was your major at Plymouth State and like what was the goal after college? Because I can't imagine that you ever aspired that any of this would happen. Like when you when you were a sophomore at Plymouth State, you know, taking whatever classes you were taking. So Oli and Jacob, I don't know if you know those guys, the uh, on the bench crew, they like to say that their job is the undreamable dream. And I think that's a perfect way to describe like what I have here with Chicklets is really never something I could ever dream of. I always knew I wanted to do something like this. So I went to Plymouth State and I majored in communications. My goal was always to work in sports radio, sports TV, some type of broadcasting position. They didn't have the best uh, communications department. So you had to do a lot of it on your own. I did a ton of internships. I was always doing internships, just trying to grow my network. I got lucky where my junior year, I basically went for an internship interview at a, a radio station. At the time, it was ESPN New Hampshire. It was like a small AM station in New Hampshire. And I, uh, I I went for an intern interview and I basically pitched a radio show to them during the interview and they bit, they took it. I got really lucky and I did a radio show every Sunday morning, an hour and 10 minutes away from Plymouth State in Nashua. So it was like every morning, every Sunday morning, I'd have to drive from Plymouth to Nashua, basically like staying up all night partying in college and then going to do this radio show but I knew I needed the reps I had to I had to learn this industry and it was such a small station where like not only was I had a producer at the time but if I wanted clips or anything special I had to go do it myself I had to go cut the audio and learn that end of it as well so or I mean I did that for my junior year of college my senior year of college it's a funny story at my uh at the end of my senior year the GM came in on a Sunday which he never did 
did. I had my own keys to the station, go in there Sunday, record my show, lock up and leave. He came in and was basically like, hey, like, so I heard this rumor that you can build websites. You know, we want to grow our digital content. Like, could you build us a website for us and we'll give you a full time job? And I'm like, oh, absolutely. I can do this. No problem. I'm a pro at building websites. I leave that room, go on my phone. I Google how to build a website. I've never built a website before in my life. So I'm like, I would just take anything to get a full time job at that point. And so then I became the digital content manager at ESPN New Hampshire. And I, they also, I, I negotiated, I said, I'll do this. I'll build this website for you and have this full time job. But you don't have a 6 p.m. radio show Monday through Friday. I want that time slot. And they gave it to me. So every day I'd work nine to five. And then at six o'clock, I'd get on the radio and I'd go host my own show from six and take you right into Red Sox coverage or Bruins coverage. Or the show was called Game Night with Mike Gurnell. Did that for about a year. I was cool with doing that for the rest of my life, man. I, I, I loved that job. And I was cool with living in you know small town New Hampshire for the rest of my life, small town radio station, talking New Hampshire high school sports and Boston sports. And I was, I was cool with doing that forever. And my boss came in one day and was like, Hey, uh, you know, I just got, I was really close to my GM and he's like, I just got out of a meeting and I think they're going to close the station down in six months. So you should start thinking about, you know, what you're going to do next. The whole time I was working at this place, I always wanted to work at Barstool. So I was emailing everyone at Barstool Sports and just typing in like random first names at barstoolsports.com like like Tim, Harry, Mike, Joe, Paul, Ryan like at barstoolsports.com just hoping someone would answer me. I really put the foot on the gas pedal once my boss had told me this about kind of the 6 months. One day I was scrolling Twitter and I saw RA, he had his email in his Twitter bio and I shot him an email. 2 days later he responded and said uh you're hired. You start Thursday. So I quit my job uh, on the spot. I was with Spit and Chicklets ever since. I, I had to work for a couple of years unpaid. Then Wit and, Wit and RA started paying me out of pocket. And I was working all these PA jobs around Boston. I was a PA at Channel 7 News, like working like overnights. And I was a PA at NBC Boston, transcribing all the interviews. So like if the Red Sox played a game, they would do their press conferences after the game. I'd stay up till like 4 a.m. at NBC Boston transcribing interviews, making like 12 bucks an hour, anything to work for Chicklets. You know, I just, I believed in the brand and I really was like, money will come. I'm, I'm not really worried about that. And one thing led to another. We added biz, we grew the brand and it became a full-time job. That's, I just talked for about 15 minutes. I feel bad, but that's my story. I cannot believe that you hosted a talk radio show on ESPN New Hampshire. Imagine if you're like reading the script and you're like, oh, the Manchester Monarchs lost last night to the Charlotte Checkers, uh, Paul Bizonette was minus five. So funny story about that was one of the days. So when Biz was in Manchester was when I was doing ESP in New Hampshire. And there was one day where we got some email. I think it was from the Monarchs. And it was like, hey, Paul Bissonette is going to come on and do a bunch of press with your radio station. And I'm like, guys, like Paul Bissonette is no one really knew about hockey at this station. They're like, who the hell is Paul Bissonette? I'm like, it's Biz Nasty, guys. He's crazy on Twitter. Like, this is huge. Biz, I think Biz ended up canceling and we never and we never got to interview him but it's funny how 
the world, you know, comes full circle. And I end up working with Biz and becoming like close friends with him when I remember like running through the halls of this AM radio station in New Hampshire in like 2015 being like, we're interviewing Paul Bissonette. And now I work with him. Obviously, most of the kids who listen to, to our show are big Chicklets guys too. What's it like working with Biz? Because I know for a long time, it was just RA and Wit, but it, it seems like the podcast kind of kicked it up a notch when Biz joined. Yeah, I think Biz helped take us from a podcast and he turned us into a brand. A lot of people don't realize how smart Biz is. Biz plays this I don't want to say it's a role but like he he's like the dumb guy on spitting chiclets he can't read but biz is like the smartest guy I know he really is it's like if you sit down and talk business with this guy for 15 20 minutes he'll blow your mind it's it's actually insane like get this guy talking about real estate we we walked up and down the west side highway for like three hours one time when he was in new york and he was just explaining real estate to me because people don't know biz has an extensive real estate portfolio like crazy so like him just like explaining it and explaining it so like i could understand it it's just that that takes a certain level of smartness as well he's a great great guy to work with he he holds us accountable i think that's something we all need and you need someone he's 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 the captain of the team you know what i mean he i don't want to say patrice bergeron because bergeron i feel like kind of leads by example but he's he's the guy that's gonna walk in the locker room and be like what the fuck are you doing dude like you were terrible last show and i'm like fuck you're right dude i i was terrible and he's like yeah step it up next time and you're like fuck yeah, I will step it up. Thanks, Biz. Like, and you need that. You know what I mean? Like, he'll be the first one to call you out. He'll also be the first one to tell you like, hey, great show. You fucking killed it that show. It's been a learning experience. It's been, I like to, I mean, anytime, you know, a lot of my job now is to, you know, hire, hire our team, you know, grow the editors, the social team, all that stuff. And anytime I hire someone, I'm like, we don't run our ship like a typical ESPN, Bleacher Report, any of these people do. We're a locker room. We'll scream at each other. We'll, me and Pasha, the video guy the other day, our video guy the other day, we're just like screaming at each other at the top of our lungs. And then two minutes later, we're like chirping each other about like the devils and Bruins. It's like, it's just kind of how, how it goes. Like, and it goes back to you know biz setting the standard of we set the bar high we have to maintain that and that's difficult you know what i mean like getting to the top is difficult but staying at the top is 10 times more difficult biz has instilled a work ethic in us and a drive in us that makes us want to keep going so i'm kind of rambling here but biz is incredible to work with i've learned so much and i don't want to like play tummy sticks with this idiot for too long i actually don't know if anyone has had more of an impact in my life than biz and i'm, I'm like realizing this now like as i'm saying it like the work ethic is like it's just like dude guys this guy flies cross country twice a week while doing the biggest hockey podcast in north america while going on national tv while doing interviews it's like his work ethic is unmatched and it's it's been really cool to see Biz's rise in media because I was there when the Coyotes were the only people that were hi would hire him. You know what I mean? And now, now everyone wants a piece of Busy. So it, it's been awesome to see as a friend, as a mentor. It's been amazing just to, to work with this guy. Since we're on the topic of rises and things like that, for me, this is an incredible episode from a production standpoint of you are where I aspire to be in hockey media. Talk about humble beginnings because you're talking about working unpaid. You're 
talking about the long hours. We talked before the show about the workload that's taken off of your shoulders by this new team. What was it like in the beginning to where you are right now? Oh my God, that's a great question. And first off, like Murph, you better you better be taking care of this guy because none of this stuff happens without the producer. And I think that's one thing that's always been awesome is Biz, Wit, RA, they've, they've always understood the importance of myself, which has been awesome. And, but to go back to your question, it, it's been crazy. Just like where we were, I used to do everything. I used to video, edit audio, edit the audio, edit the clips, do all the social. But then, as I said, like we, we grew into a business, right? And as we grew, as our brand grew, our team needed to grow and I needed to you know, have a, a strong look in the mirror as to what am I best at, right? I can edit, but I'm not the best editor, right? But what do I know is I know this business inside and out. I know where it's going. I know Spit and Chicklets better than anyone on planet Earth. I decided to take a step back from the editorial, from the editing. I decided to step more into the business realm, which has been really cool to learn and to develop and understand and to evolve into that position. But for two, three years, it was it was just me doing on these trips, doing the video, doing the editing, doing the audio, while also managing the group, like making sure we had dinner reservations that night, making sure we, we had hotels and flights and the guests for the podcast were booked and we had the correct ads for the show. And it's been a crazy, crazy ride to like when people ask me, what is my job? It, it's something different every day. I was on a big deal brewing sales call yesterday. Two minutes later, I'm on a production I'm managing a production meeting. And then an hour later, I'm on an FDNY NYPD broadcast call. And then, you know, an hour after that, I'm setting up an interview for Chicklets. It's like, and then 20 minutes later, I'm I'm designing t-shirts. Like it's it's something different every day. And and I love that. I tell everyone, I'm like, I'm the luckiest guy on planet Earth. You know, I, I really am. I, I, I appreciate every single day. And I always wake up every single day so grateful that I have this job. That's because... I went through hell to get here. Um, and not, not a lot of people know that. Biz, Wit, RA, they know what I went through before this. So when people are like, oh, you you fell into this job, you got so lucky. It's like, no, I earned this position. From the day I was 19, like I said, I started working at radio stations and internships. And I did everything I had to do. And I worked for free for two years. And I was making 11 bucks an hour while all my friends are have all their entry-level jobs, making 70, 80 grand a year, going out, going on vacations. I'm, I'm making 11 bucks an hour just like working Friday and Saturday nights, transcribing interviews of the Boston Red Sox. And you're just like, what am I doing? Like, when is this going to turn around? And my dad in particular always just told me like, just keep going, keep going. It, it will come, it will come. And it eventually, it eventually did. But even just to get a full-time job at Barstool, it was impossible for me for those two years where I was working for free. I interviewed for three or four positions at Barstool and I never got them. I didn't get them. Like they, they told me they were going with someone else. Was that the best thing to ever happen to me? Absolutely. I mean, one of the positions was to be young page views, like assistant. Thank God that didn't happen because I wouldn't be in the position I am today. And like one of the other positions I interviewed for was to be the Barstool breakfast producer when we had Sirius XM. And if I took that job, that's a Monday through Friday position. I wouldn't have been able to give the time and effort and energy that I was able to to Chicklets because of that. And me being, I don't want to say jobless, but, you know, working nights as a bartender and, you know, as a PA at Channel 7 and as a PA at 
NBC Boston, that that gave me all day to work on spit and chiclets. So I would just grow and grow and and just like learn. And I, I would consume so much content where I learned, you know, what works, what doesn't, where we want to take this thing. And there's also the podcast boom. Like we we got in the industry at the perfect time, right when podcasts skyrocketed. There was no podcast when, you know, when we started doing this, let alone hockey podcasts. So I, I, I tell our interns, I tell anyone that's in this industry that, Money is not going to come right away. You know what I mean? It's going to it, it's going to take time and that's something that people always told me as well. It's it's a grind, but if you love it and you're passionate about it, then you'll enjoy every step of the way. Yeah, and it, I think it's something that needs to change. I'm working for NBC making $11 an hour and it's like you see the CEOs how much they're making, you know what I mean? And you see how much some of the on-air talents making and I know me, you know, transcribing interviews in the back, it's um, it's not in a valued position. Anyone can do that. But it's still, I think, you know, minimum wage, it's, it's tough. I mean, when I first started doing internships, it was all unpaid internships. Like you weren't getting credit. You weren't getting paid. You'd show up. You'd work. You'd network. The only thing you'd get out of it is networking. That was like three or four of my internships. And now I think that's, a, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. You mentioned the rewards you've you've gotten to have over the years with Chicklets. I want to know what's your personal favorite interview that you guys have done Sidney Crosby it's weird to say that as a Bruins fan we interviewed Ray Bork who was growing up was my f- absolute favorite player of all time you know we've sat down with Gretzky we've we've interviewed just about you know everyone you could interview but something about Sidney Crosby was was different I think it was because I grew up hating him and I got to you know we went up to Halifax he had us up there we went to his favorite bar we did the interview there I saw how much of a guy's guy he really is and how how much of a nice guy he is and it's it's probably my favorite story in Chicklet's history is um we were at dinner in Halifax you know you know how it can be the Sometimes, you know, the big dogs are down one end of the table. The conversation's all down one end. The quiet guys are down one end. And that's how it was. Biz, Witt, Nate, McKinnon, Sidney Crosby, kind of down one end of the table. And me and uh, one of the camera guys and, and someone else are down the other end of the table. But I'm sitting next to Crosby, right? But he's looking this way, having the conversation. And halfway through the dinner, he just like stops looking over here. He just fully turns his back to Biz Wit McKinnon, looks at me. He's like, Mike, so tell me about yourself. You know, where are you from? How'd you get in? How'd you get into chiclets? Like, and I was like, why do you care? Like, Mr. Crosby, like, this is crazy. Like, it was, it was so cool. And then they took us out that night and we, we got to have some drinks with them. And that was one of those experiences where officially I feel like I took my fan cap off. Right. Where I'm like, all right, I can't go into this shit anymore. Hating these guys for because they used to, you know, beat the Bruins back in the day. Like, I got to I got to see the the human aspect of this. So it was almost like a big learning experience for me. But at the same time, it was like fucking Sidney Crosby, like getting to have some beers with Sidney Crosby. He's asked me about my life. It was the coolest thing in the world. So we, we want to pick your brain about club hockey while we have you here. Absolutely. A good way to start it is you mentioned that you were on a call. You know, you guys are broadcasting the police fire game this year, right? Yep. We were thinking, um, you know, who knows what Chicklets looks like in a couple of years. Maybe you guys are broadcasting more games. If you had to bring the Chicklets broadcast to an ACHA game, 
or a club hockey game anywhere in the country, where are you taking the Chicklets crew? That's a great question. I could be a little selfish here and say a UCLA-USC game would be pretty sick just to go out there, kick it in like Santa Monica, hang out. To be honest with you, I am so intrigued with the midnight game between Kentucky and Louisville. I think that would be so cool to go watch. Um, I've also heard about there's a tournament, a big club hockey tournament down in maybe Savannah, Georgia. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I think, yeah, the Savannah Classic, yeah. It's like the bean pot in Georgia. I heard it's nuts. I would love to get down there for that. But yeah, I'd say number one on my list right now would be the Louisville-Kentucky midnight game. What about you guys? What would you say? What would you say oh. the best game for Chicklets to go to would be? So I think Louisville-Kentucky is the big one for me because Kentucky, it's almost like 90% of their home schedule is at midnight. This place is rocking. The glass is really low. Anytime we have a guy who plays Acha D2, they're like, oh my God, Kentucky is... The I mean, they love it. They said it's, it's miserable when you're there because you, get, you pull into the rink and there's a line of people. It's 10 o'clock at night. There's a line of people around the door. Game doesn't start for two hours. They have like a live train horn in there. The smoke goes off when they hit the ice. Like, oh, I think I'm going to go next year. I think I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, you just sold me. I think the other one, which would be cool because my freshman year, we played at Liberty. So I got to experience that as a player. I would go back again for a Liberty Midnight Madness puck drop because, I mean, it's not as uh, maybe gritty as Kentucky, but I mean, 2000 fans midnight game jumbotron and all that that would be another one worth hitting and where did you play at i play at syracuse with uh your guy connor preston what a guy connor preston now syracuse you guys got a sick program up there as well i love i every i feel like every time i open my tiktok it's like a sick mashup of like syracuse hockey like slow-mo running out of their tunnel i'm like club hockey's changed a bit like since i was playing like you guys all that they got like videographers and like like media teams now and shit kind of like you mentioned you know you do have to kind of grind for a little bit it's it's cool as like a student run program like we have a coach who who gets paid and everything but we kind of hire the media team like it's like oh you're a freshman and you want to get into sports like go take photos for the club hockey team like see where that takes yeah, you. yeah and you got the best like journalism like media school in the country yeah uh, at syracuse yeah. shout out to jake marsh you gotta give him a shout out gotta give jake marsh shut up a question do you think you think syracuse ends up going d1 i mean i feel like that's a perfect school you know, you're up north. It's a big school. A lot of kids on campus. Like what What is preventing Syracuse from being a Division One hockey team? So, I mean, the, the, the easiest answer is Title IX, right? So we have five men's sports on campus. One of those being, I mean, men's basketball, men's lacrosse, football. Huge money makers at Syracuse. We have 12 varsity women's teams. So that's why we have the rink on campus because we have a varsity women's hockey team. A lot of people don't know that. The rink would need upgrades. Like, we, they would have to build uh, a new rink. Like, I mean, I mean, it's not like they don't have enough money for it. Jesus. I, I don't even know what I would compare it to. Like, have you ever been to UConn's old rink? Like they had a rink on campus that was really tiny. It's kind of like that. Actually, I haven't. No, I've been to the Carrier Dome, though. Once I went to the Carrier Dome and I saw some guy get stabbed. It was wild. <laughs> wild Jeez. i went to, i went to midnight madness one year yes yeah, so i was get getting a soda in line with a kid i met five minutes ago i was visiting my buddy from lemoyne and two guys just squared up and one guy just like reached around and stabbed him it was it was wild wild experience i was in syracuse for like 15 minutes and i already seen a dude get stabbed that is bonkers i mean i've gotten to plenty of games in the dome have not seen that yet it doesn't surprise me though it, there was a free wall a concert that night too so it was pretty packed oh. in there it was kind of crazy i mean the goal is 
was like kind of like ASU Penn State. Like imagine in 20 years they go Division One, and I can be like, I played there. I was there when we were packing the barn. I tell everyone that all the time. Like you talk to any of the guys at like UNLV and you're like, boys, in a few years, you guys are going to be like, oh, yeah, I played there. Because I think it's coming everywhere. And we went out to ASU and we filmed a video with Josh Doan. He showed us around the uh, the locker room, Mullet Arena, which is just incredible. But we had a nice conversation towards the end of the video about the Pac-12 and how, you know, he was he mentioned that there's so many guys on the ASU team from California and they would love to see the USC's, the UCLA's, the Oregon's, UNLV, like you mentioned. Like we want to, they want to see those schools go Division One because I'll probably get shit for this, but you have the people up in you know minnesota the nchc diehards you know the bemidji state people up top there that are like no like we can't have the big schools coming in division one hockey but it's like man it would be so good for the sport to bring in that kind of money you know what i mean you're telling me the oregon ducks would be bad for college hockey all those sick jerseys (laughs) get out of here we got a lot of not not a lot of shit but we made the comparison online the other day like Frozen Fenway, they had four Hockey East teams this year, two games, combined attendance. It was BC, Northeastern, UMass, UConn, two games back-to-back. They drew 22,000 for that. That's a generous, generous, generous rating We compared that, like, hey, just as a comparison, 26,000 for a club hockey game in North Carolina. And we still still had the people in the Northeast who are like, that's not real college hockey, like – they didn't charge money for tickets and all. And, and I think it's a testament to the Hurricanes have done a phenomenal job with the community down there. But it just goes to show, I mean, ASU, the North Carolinas, the UNLV probably wouldn't be where they are without the Golden Knights success. But it's crazy that you're starting to see these college teams are in the places where the NHL teams have been there for not as long as, you know, the original sixes of the world. And even that's why, like, I, I used to get a ton of stuff. Like when I would write about college hockey on Barstool, like I loved what the Big Ten is doing and I, I know a lot of people hate that you know it broke up the nchc and minnesota all that bullshit but i love that all these big schools are playing against each other like ohio state michigan like that's fucking awesome it's good for these big schools to play each other and create those rivalries in insane atmospheres and like if you want college hockey to grow and unfortunately it sucks to say this it's not happening at Bemidji State it's not unfortunately it it isn't we've seen it for the past 20 30 years and if if we want this to grow something's got to change right and I get it. I get it. College hockey's growing at a crazy rate right now. Fastest growing college sport, yada, yada, yada. That's because we're, we're welcoming the big schools now. We're welcoming in the ASUs, the Penn States. I want to see more of like, what's that? Uh, what's the Tennessee Vols song, Rocky Top? Imagine being in like an arena and everyone's just singing that song and everyone's just jumping around and it's Tennessee versus Bama. Like, are you kidding me? That would be so awesome. Yeah. As opposed to being up in like upstate, you know, North Dakota, where no one, no one wants to go to a game. Oh, I don't want to say no one wants to go. To yeah, a game. yeah. I was gonna say that might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they definitely no, they definitely packed the house up there, and and that's not to take anything away from those schools because you still need those schools, right? You still need those schools for Division One hockey, and I don't want to. I don't want to rip on the Bemidji States and the, I don't want to say Minnesota Duluth because they're national champions, but you you need those schools as well. But I I would just like to see more bigger schools get into the mix, especially schools down south, as we saw NC 
State, UNC. It was it was unbelievable. I think the other thing that we really like to promote through our brand and our podcast, college hockey is one of the hardest sports to play in college because you got the kids coming down from Canada. You got the kids coming from overseas. Now, it seems like every team has at least three Swedish or Finnish kids on the roster. There's barely any new teams. And you got kids playing three years of junior hockey. And now those kids are ending up in the ACHA because there's just no room at the D3 level. And I always get a a laugh when people are like adding more teams would just water down college hockey like let's get this thing growing like let's add more teams more players more opportunities to play that's such a good point because like there's so many kids that are playing division three hockey that are so fucking sick you know what i mean that are just like unbelievable hot and even in the division one acha you know what i mean there's some sick hockey players that are like i saw one of the kids on unc came from umaine like are you kidding me these kids are good hockey players there's not enough places in the college system for these guys to play so yeah add more teams fuck fuck whoever's saying that I can attest to it at the D3 level. We share a building here in Utica with Utica University, and they're number one in the country right now at the D3 level. Some of these kids are un-unreal, and it's astounding to watch them play how much of a, a talent backlog like you're you're describing there is in the system. To say that it would water down the game, I think that's just, that's crazy. All right, another Acha question. If you had to pick three these teams are going to ship you a jersey in the morning what three club hockey jerseys would you get i have a lot surprisingly i was gonna wear some of them because like when i used to write about club hockey i would write about the acha all the time on barstool teams would send me jerseys all the time i have rutgers nebraska georgia alabama unc i have a lot but i would say i would love okay number one South Carolina, the new Cox jersey right down the middle. Those things are unreal. Uh, Number two would be Tennessee Volunteers. Slowly becoming a Tennessee Volunteers football fan here. Their club hockey jerseys are sick. I love that Rocky Top song. So they would be number two. And number three, I would say Oregon Ducks. I think an Oregon Ducks jersey would be sick. I feel like I've seen Ole Miss before, and Ole Miss looked really cool as well, but I'm taking Tennessee. Can't have too many SEC teams. Yeah, and I'll say three would be Oregon Ducks. So it was, what were my three? Was One was South Carolina, Tennessee, Oregon. Love those three. And that was one school I should have mentioned in terms of places that we would love to catch a game. South Carolina versus Clemson. They pack the place. Oh. I think the the fire code is like 500. They sneak 700 people in there. They got $2 bush lights. They're running out of beers at this place by the end of the night. Oh, that's incredible. I'd love to go to that. What I would say is you should just take a look through the Jersey Madness tournament that we did. Pick your favorites. Put it up on the story. Throw a P.O. box out there. Within two weeks, wind up with an entire closet full of stuff. I know. That's why I'm like, when you said that, I'm like, I got to, I got to, be smart here with what I say because I'm going to start getting these sent to me. We mentioned my, my guy Preston played with him at Syracuse. He does uh, he gets to travel with you guys when you do a lot of Chicklets events. Feidelberg played at Florida State. There's got to be more guys in the office who played club hockey, right? I'm not fully sure. I, uh, other than Connor fights, 
I don't think there are many other guys who played club hockey in the, in the office. I'd have to go around and ask. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not sure. There's not a ton of athletes in the Barstool office. That's common misconception about the athletic ability in the Barstool office. Not not a ton of athletes there. Speaking of the Barstool office though, I do have to to draw the connection on the podcast. Avery Zaretsky and I go way way back. We were a part of a New York Rangers meme page growing up in high school together and it's insane to see to see where he's gone so it's crazy that uh that the hockey community is so small to see where we all wind up going yeah avery's the best super super hard worker it's been cool to see avery go through the qu viceroy you know working with the qu hockey team he used to do a little stuff for spitting chiclets here and there and now he's got a full-time job at barstool and he's a psychopath rangers fan and that's that's funny to know that that you guys knew each other from a meme page in in high school. That's that's hilarious. But yeah, he's a good good hockey player, good kid, crazy person. Now I got to ask you cuz we're talking NHL. I'm a Bruins fan. How are we feeling after the trade today? Love it. Absolutely love it. I mean, let's look at this decor right now. I mean, McAvoy Grizzlick, Carlo Lindholm, Orlov forward. Like, are you kidding me? Does it get, I don't think it gets any better than that in the NHL. Exactly what they're looking for. Not going to lie, was starting to sweat a little bit. Now that Toronto has Ryan O'Reilly, looks like the Rangers are going to make some big additions here. It's like the East is good. Yeah, Herm, are you a Rangers fan? Die hard, sir. What do we think about Patty Kane? I think it'll be a really, really interesting sweat out to the deadline if Chris Drury pulls the trigger on Kane. I would love to see, I mean, obviously you want to make sure that a guy is healthy for as long as possible. There's always concerns with his hip and whether this recent stretch of a couple of games is something that's sustainable over the long term. Oh, it's Patrick Kane. It's sustainable. I know. I know. And and what they're giving up in a a player like Vitaly Kravtsov, I have my own concerns about player development within the New York Rangers organization where they go on to flourish in other teams and things like that. They're in a tight window, though. I was talking to Avery about this, where like when you look at the contracts, like you got going to have to start to pay the kids. Igor is on a really, really good contract right now. You're going to have to pay Keandre Miller. Like you're going to have to start to pay some of these guys where it's, that's what made me think. It's like, why are they going for it so hard right now? And you're like, wait, this window isn't as big. Not to say that they'll completely fall off and have to, you know, rebuild, but they're going to have to pay some of these. They're not going to be able to pay everyone, essentially. It's super interesting right now with the Rangers. But back to the bees. I mean, I still think no one's even close to the Boston Bruins right now. It's what we love to hear. The Leafs still, like, their defense stinks. Their goalie stinks. Tampa's played so much hockey in the past three or four years. Carolina, they scare me. They're one of the only teams in the whole NHL that scare me. But yeah, the Rangers. Rangers are probably number two. One ACHA question I had too. You talked about going to Plymouth State, you know, playing high school hockey. If you were an 18-year-old kid now and you had your pick of the litter in terms of club hockey, where are you going to school? I would go, I think, to Tennessee, Ole Miss, one of those big Southern football schools. So here's the thing. Just about everywhere has a club hockey program now. You can find a club hockey program to play anywhere. So I wouldn't pick my school based on athletics. 
And that's that's where I feel like I made the mistake is I picked a small liberal arts school in New Hampshire because of athletics. I should have been looking at the schools and the environment and the alumni and 15 years, 20 years from now, do I want to be saying I'm a Plymouth State alumni or a University of Tennessee alumni or University of Alabama alumni? So if I could go back, I would tell 18-year-old Mike Grinnell to get his head out of his ass that he's not a lacrosse player and to go to the South where the women are beautiful. The hockey is fun. The beer is cheap and, it, and the, the weather is sunny. That's what I would tell 18-year-old Mike Grinnell. As you're saying that, Herm adds to the notes, let's get his pitch for the ACHA. I think you just said it right there. That is like our number one thing is like, too many guys end up at these small D3 schools where the rink is 40 minutes from campus. There's only 2,000 kids at school. They're they're an English major. You hit the nail on the head. You can go to any school you want in the country because they all have hockey teams and people just don't realize that. Yeah, and look, I don't want to dog my little brother here, but my little brother, great, great hockey player. Really, really good. Led Burlington High to back-to-back state championships. Uh, you know, went, played in the EJ. He was he was a really good hockey player. He had a lot of schools looking at him. I remember, and I know, I know he'll remember it too. Once I found out about the ACHA my freshman year at Plymouth, when that kid Ben Haskell told me, that's when I, I did a deep dive into the ACHA and I found the Alabama hockey team. And I remember finding their, I believe it was their Twitter account, and they were doing like autograph signings. And I remember sending that to my little brother and being like, hey, I know you're going through the recruiting process right now. I know you're looking at a bunch of D3 schools around home, but let me just say, University of Alabama would be pretty sick. It would like, look at them. They're signing autographs. Like they're packing their barn. You can go to football games on Saturday. And he ended up going to Wentworth. Great school. You know, really good, you know, mechanical engineering school. They played in like the Revere rink in Boston. It wasn't their rink. Their locker room was in the lobby of the arena where they had to, if they wanted to walk to the shower, they had to walk through the lobby where all the parents and fans were waiting to walk to like the public showers. And I remember just thinking in my head, like, should have listened to me, dude. Alabama's got their own showers. They got their own locker room. Like, and I, I wonder now if he, if he regrets that, but man, it's like some of these and and there's not, I, I don't want to rip on D3 hockey at all here because it's, it's so entertaining. I loved going to the Plymouth state games. It's, and it's, it's division it's, one hockey for people who don't know, like there's so yeah. few spots available, like making playing NCAA division three is the equivalent of going D one and about any other sport. But if you're a borderline player, kind of like you asked, I think it's a no brainer to pick a school and then go play hockey there. Don't go to school for, don't pick your school for hockey. Hockey, if you're a good enough hockey player, you'll be able to play anywhere you want. I'm like cheesing really big when you mentioned looking at Alabama through this whole process because I feel like Murph, you now have to share, for those who don't know, your whole experience with Bama before you got to Syracuse. And I think that was what sparked your interest in the ACHA. It was pretty much the same story that Grinnell, you just told. I had an older brother. He played at Assumption College. He ran into some concussion problems at the end of his career. And I think during that, like when he wasn't playing, he was just like, he saw, I think Bama had Harambe jerseys that year and they went viral for that. And he's like, I cannot, I got, he got me an Alabama hat for Christmas. And it was kind of like a, Hey, like check out this ACHA stuff. And then I, you know, I looked at Bama. I looked at URI. I was looking at Villanova. URI's next. You are, they'll go division one soon enough. And I, and I ended up at Syracuse, but I remember it was like from his experience, he was like, man, I wished I had checked this out sooner. I know. And that's, 
God, it's it's something every time I open up TikTok and I see your guys' TikTok account of these sick videos, of these sick ACHA barns and crowds. And I'm like, I want to call up my dad and be like, why did you allow me to go to Plymouth? I loved Plymouth. Great time. Great ski school. But man, you see like some of the, the crowd at like an old Miss game. Like, oh, it's just you think about the Saturday tailgates and can't stress it enough. If you're a young, if you're a high school kid, you're a junior kid listening to this and you're about to make your college decision strongly 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 consider the acha route i can't stress it enough and remember like i said pick your school and then play hockey there starting to wrap things up i I wanted to mention this because i feel like you must get this question a million times a day in your dms when you guys do the meet and greets when people come up to you and say how do i work for barstool like what do you say to that because i think it's a process that's a lot harder than a lot of people think yeah i think it's different though it's like i was explaining i was having a conversation about this with someone the other day like what do you want to do at barstool is like the first question right it's like i want to work at barstool I'll, i'll do anything it's like we're a legitimate company now like you gotta have like a, a route you want to take at this company, right? If you want to be on air at Barstool and you want to do content at Barstool, the best thing to do is to make content. And Dave stresses this all the time. It's like, if we can't hire people that just say, oh, I want to do a podcast for you guys. It's like, well, do a, do a podcast. Like anyone can do a podcast. It's like, it's not like it costs like a million dollars to do a podcast. It's like, do your podcast. If it's good, I'm sure Barstool will look at you. And again, I'm not speaking on behalf of Barstool. I think, yeah, like, and that's what I've always said for the Chicklets brand. I can speak on behalf of that is like, what do you want to do? You know, like, how can you contribute to our brand? How can you help us grow our brand? If, If there's a role, if there's something you think we're lacking or missing and you, you see a position for yourself that, you know, would help our band brand grow, pitch it, and we'll consider anything. And I think that's the really cool thing is like, it's such a new industry, right? It's still so new where no one has the blueprint and it's evolving and changing at all times where it's like, if you can provide a service that no one else can provide and you can grow our brand, we'd be open to anyone and anything. That's awesome. Last question, because I feel like you had a, a huge part in this, but I wanted to thank you personally, because when I got to school my freshman year, I was only on campus for a week before Pink Whitney came out. Do you wish that you could go back in time and be in college when Pink Whitney was around? God, I don't know if I'd be sitting here right now. Would have drank a little too much of it. I think I, uh, I don't know if I wish that. I think I'm, I'm drinking enough Pink Whitney as it is now. So yeah, I th- I, big deal brew on the other hand. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I got a couple uh, of those waiting for me in the fridge when we wrap up here. So I'm uh, uh, that's yeah, how I'm going to enjoy best. my Thursday night. The absolute best. Yeah, no, Big Deal and Pink Whitney, both the absolute best. best. We're so, so lucky that, you know, Labatt and Gallo, New Amsterdam, put their put their trust in us to make those make those drinks. And it's been so cool to learn this process, right? Just to, to be in these meetings and. You know, a lot of the times I just say I, I like to consider myself like a freshman on the varsity team. You know what I mean? I'm just sit in the corner, keep your mouth shut, head down, ears up. I'm just listening. I'm learning. And it's been so it's been such a cool process, boys, just to, to launch our own vodka, to launch our own beer. And I'm so grateful. Like I said earlier, I'm so grateful every day that this is my job and I get to do this. And I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I, I really am. Well, we're very lucky that you joined us tonight, Grinnell. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the love you've 
given to club hockey, the ACHA, the last couple of weeks. And uh, like I said, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, boys. And what's what's next for the the hockey house pod? Are you guys gonna go out to nationals for the for the Archer Nationals? Are you guys gonna be doing some interviews out there? We should have asked about that. We we're gonna we're gonna bring our mics. We're gonna make as much content as we can. Last year we went down to St. Louis, cover the national tournament. This year, right in our backyard, the New England Sports Center is hosting the tournament in Marlboro. <laughs> so Marlboro, uh, I mean, that's unreal. I know. Does not get any more Acha than that. I mean, I'm sure rank one will be Wait, when is it? When are nationals? Uh March sixteenth to the twenty first. Interesting. I think I might be free those weeks. Maybe I'll uh, have to make a trip up to the the old New England Sports Center and, and come see the boys. We'll certainly keep in touch because we'll take you up on that. We'll be there all week. So definitely looking forward to doing that. You know, like you mentioned, the, the goal would be to take this thing on the road one day. I think there's a lot of places around the country that could use some content. And, you know, if that means we get to go to Kentucky someday and film some videos or Oregon and feel, you know, there's a, a market to be had and we're looking to cover that someday. So that's that's the future for the hockey house pod love it boys absolutely love it and murph you make sure you take care of herm he's the heart and soul the you're nothing without a producer baby you're nothing without a good producer i know and i dreaded those days when i was recording in zoom and editing in premiere pro if you can believe that and then exporting as an mp3 so definitely thankful to have herm because i I, i've seen it firsthand but um yeah awesome thank you grinnell so much of course thank you boys this was fun once again, thanks to Grinnell for joining the show. He's got such a busy schedule and with everything Chicklets has been doing over the last couple of weeks, I was amazed he was able to find some time for us and give us his undivided attention for over an hour. And we were so excited to have him on and um, nice of him to kind of hint there at the end that he might be able to make some games in Marlboro. So definitely looking forward to that if, if we get the opportunity there. But it's time to turn it over to the ACHA Burgers Blow of the Week. We had first in men's division one action, Adrian handled Oakland in the first round of the, their conference tournament by a score of 15 to nothing. Colorado State knocked the wheels off of in-state rival Colorado by a score of 13 to two. And then UNLV handled GCU in their final regular season matchup of the season by a score of 11 to nothing. Kentucky, they beat Penn 13 to three in their regional tournament. It really showed that they came to play and played down to the wire the next day with a 2-1 win over the Tar Heels. But I think Kentucky really came in and showed a statement. Penn had upset some teams the year before in the regional tournament, so they really took it to them. In men's division three action, Notre Dame, uh, who recently came in at number two in the last ACHA men's three rankings of the season, they beat Purdue Northwest by a score of 15 to one. Women's action, not a lot of blowouts this week, but Jamestown handled Lindenwood six to nothing. In women's division two, UNH defeated UConn by a score of 13 to three. And then in CHF action, Babson defeated Mass Maritime by a score of 10 to one. Question of the week as we wrap up the show here. Herm wants to know who the dark horse is in men's division one action now that the bracket is released. And I know we haven't gotten to too much depth about the bracket and the matchups. We'll do that next week. Collins, looking at the bracket right now, any team, you know, outside of the top five that you think the folks at home should be paying more attention to? I picked Indiana Tech simply because eight seeds typically do well in March. Coming from a school that won March Madness as an eight seed, really good year this year. Going 31-3-1, and one, big wins against uh, Dearborn, Grand Valley State, and they have an exhibition game coming up this Thursday against Adrian, which we will we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah, what, what about you, Herm? What do you think? 
Oh, man. We saw him last year at Nationals, and they almost pulled a little bit of a spoiler. I really like Pitt's chances against Liberty. The Panthers had a, a solid move to the Eshel this year. I don't know. It feels like people have been sleeping on him lately. Kind of, It kind of ties into to my picking up the pucks thing in a little bit. I, I think it'll be an, a really fun opening round matchup against Liberty. Pitt was a team that I was looking at too because, you know, I remember that game against UNLV. They have really good goaltending, which is is very good come playoff time. I also like Indiana Tech. I, I, I think I've mentioned it like every time we talk about these guys, but they just got sewered in the first round last year. They lost in overtime to UCO and then UCO goes on this run. They have the overtime marathon against Iowa State. And uh, speaking of Iowa State, my dark horse is going to be Grand Valley State. Connection there is Grand Valley State's starting goalie is Devin Nato. He transferred from Iowa State after they shut down operations. He will be... I believe the only player on this Grand Valley State team with Nationals experience, and he has plenty of it playing in that six overtime game. What I like about Grand Valley State is it's their first tournament appearance. They had one of the best seasons in program history. And I think when you go into a tournament like this with no experience, it can almost help you. Like you you don't have to worry about anything. Just go in and play the best hockey you can. On the flip side of that, sometimes you go in and you have nothing, no idea what to expect and you can get the wheels blown off of you. But I really like the Lakers here. Uh, I think Grand Valley State would be a big dark horse. Kind of looking at that matchup, they, they play Buffalo. And if they could get a win there, it's UNLV. And I think teams that play on that first day kind of get an upper hand on those top-seeded teams that have the bye. I think that was kind of what we saw with UNLV and Pitt last year. Pitt had played the day before, you know, gave UNLV a run for their money. So I think it's something to watch out for. But we talked about it at the start of the show. I think those teams in the top five are just so loaded this year, and they've played each other so many times. I'm not sure how many dark horses there's really going to be at this year's national tournament. Um, it's it's hard to think of a team that's going to win the national tournament that's not Minot State, Ohio, Adrian, Liberty or UNLV. So it'll definitely be an exciting tournament to watch. And like I mentioned earlier, really good job on the production from hockey TV, especially on rink one and Marlboro. You have to think that's where all the games for the men's division one tournament are going to be. And it's going to offer some really exciting vantage points to watch the game as well. So we're looking forward to that. Herm, as we wrap up the show and start picking up the pucks, anything that's on your mind this week? Huge, huge shout out to Anders Lampia on Twitter, who is absolutely carrying the ACHA stats game right now. We got his first initial notifications, and I was like, whoa, Murph, you got to check this kid out. But Sean Hogan, who's one of my favorite people on the planet, former coach of Ohio, Arizona, Oakland, we've had him on the podcast. He gave Anders his flowers, much deserved. I don't think anyone in recent memory outside of a, a team has done this level of deep dive into statistics for the ACHA. And it's very, very cool to see. Yeah. And we're actually going to partner with him coming up here and do some graphics with the the predictions that he you know it's all data and analytics and he can kind of predict outcomes of games and almost like he's creating the spread for the games which i think makes it really interesting and maybe if you're not, you haven't been following along the acha all season long you get an idea of which teams are expected to win which games collins want to turn it over to you anything you're thinking about at the end of the this week yeah i was gonna shout out the acha this week but then i realized we should probably save that for the end of the season. Not related to hockey at all. Shout out to No Context College Lacrosse on Twitter this week. 
great page. Go check it out. We were talking in uh, in the Hockey House group chat. Uh, Murph was sending over some uh, some no context ACHA pictures. You know, it just reminded me of this page. And every once in a while, I, w- I will go back on Twitter and look through a bunch of amazing pictures and uh, uh, have a good laugh. So uh, shout out to those guys. I th- I don't know. I think maybe Collins, we give you uh, we we start a Twitter account when Nationals come around, like no context club hockey powered by the Hockey House Pod, and and we do we do some of that because I think the content there could be pretty good between the photos that Herm collects every week. And uh, the screen grabs, we get some of these videos, but we might be onto something here. You know what? I'm going to actually make an account as soon as we're done recording this episode <laughs> called No Context ACHA powered by the Hockey House, just so nobody uh, can get that account after we post this episode. Love it. I'm thinking this week, Collins, you mentioned it. A couple teams playing some exhibition games, which I feel like is odd. I know some teams are playing their conference tournaments this weekend. Like Navy is going to Nationals, but they got to play in their conference tournament. You have Niagara and Pitt playing in their conference tournament this weekend uh, before going to Nashville. I just, I, I worry about injuries. Like you play so long. It's such a grinding season to play, you know, an exhibition against another school. I don't know. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. I know UNLV is just doing an inner squad scrimmage. I feel like that's kind of a safer bet, you know, still get the legs moving and, and the repetition in, but maybe you don't have guys out there trying to kill you. So I'm curious uh, what people would think about that, but that was something I was thinking of because like, I know at the end of the year, you know, we weren't a playoff team here in Cuse, but, you know, guys are just battling through injuries. And you would think that some teams would want to get as much rest as they could before the national tournament, because in the national tournament, you got to play like four games in five days sometimes. So definitely something to, to keep an eye on. But as always, it should be another exciting weekend of, of hockey, like a couple of conference tournaments, not nearly as much action as we had last weekend. But stay tuned. Next week, we will preview both tournaments in the ACHA and AAU college hockey as we get everything prepped for the national championships coming up as always follow us on twitter instagram tiktok at hockey house pod be sure to send us any clips highlights photos you get from this weekend we'd love to see them and that we will see you all next week see you boys yeah.